This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. When the championships got underway on April the 4th, nobody was convinced they'd still be going two weeks later. Thanks to the efficiency of the Racing New South Wales biosecurity protocols and the willingness of participants to do the right thing, the great three-day carnival was an outstanding success. Apart from the spine-tingling thunder of hooves and the reverberation of the public address system, there was eerie silence at the most hallowed of Sydney's racetracks. But to those who had a connection to the 10 Group 1 winners, the sense of occasion was just as exhausting and the thrill just as electric as they would have been in front of 20,000 screaming fans. Best story, the fairy tale win of the cantankerous Natoya in the Doncaster for Wendy Roach and James Innes Jr. What a win by the veteran Etta James as she became the fifth mayor to win the Sydney Cup in 30 years. King's Legacy's Group 1 double vindicated his massive purchase price and Quick Thinker gave yet another Kiwi a win in the Australian Derby. Nature Strip's demolition job on the opposition in the TJ Smith was a real buzz while Colette proved to be the dominant filly in the Oaks. A Dave gave young jockey Tom Marquand another Group 1 in his adopted country by scoring brilliantly in the Queen Elizabeth. Conda Patiro continued on her Group 1 journey in the Coolmore legacy, while Tofane spoiled Pirata's bid to go out on a winning note in the all-aged. Great horses, great horsemen made the 2020 championships very special in these trying times. Philip Stokes is one of the quiet achievers of Australian racing. From humble beginnings 20 years ago, the South Australian-born horseman has gradually emerged as a very serious commercial trainer with over 900 winners on his CV, including four Group 1s, eight Group 2s, 13 Group 3s and 41 at listed level. Early last year, Philip made the important decision to establish a Victorian base at the new Pakenham Training Centre while continuing to operate his Morfordville stables under the supervision of son Tom. Philip has collected three Metropolitan Premierships and four state titles in South Australia, but has contemplated a Victorian involvement ever since that magical day at Flemington when he saddled up three winners on the final day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival in 2014, including Hucklebuck in the Group 1 Emirates. Life has been one whirlwind adventure for the kid who grew up on a cattle station near Maree at the top end of South Australia where the Birdsville track begins. He rode a hundred winners as an apprentice jockey before weight caught up and then he set out to learn about horse management all over the world. He spent time with John Hammond in France before moving to the famous Takey Farm in Japan, followed by a stint under the legendary American trainer, Bill Mott. On returning to Australia, he invested in his own stables at Grafton Avenue, Morfordville, and started from scratch. He bought a few second-hand horses to get started and embarked on a long and arduous journey. Today, he's training 80 horses in two states for many loyal owners. This is the first time I've had the pleasure to talk to Philip Stokes, the pleasure is all mine, Phil. Thanks for joining us. Morning, though. Thank you for having me on. Phil, it's hard to believe you could have so many horses race so well on Saturday 
without landing a winner. Mr Quickie was terrific, I thought, in the gold heath under his big weight. Yeah, he was terrific. He was just awkward from the barrier and, um, yeah, the weight told on him late, but the horse is going very well. Completely sound, Phil, no problems? No, he's 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 not the he's he's reasonably sound. He's he's fine. He's he's got plenty of racing ahead of him, and can't wait till the spring. What are the immediate plans? Um, I've got to talk with the ownership group. If we're giving one more, or we might just give him a break now and just you know uh, look 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 for the spring in Melbourne. Mm. Schnitzcraft had absolutely no luck in the Bella Spree on Saturday, beaten about three lengths. Yeah, I was really happy. He's sort of. His two runs today have been a bit luckless. He didn't like the wet track last start, but he's very capable and that was good to see him sort of bounce back and he's got a win in him soon. At Morfordville, Sacred Lash should have gone very close to winning a benchmark 60, badly held up for a run, look full of petrol right on the line. Yeah, she's done it really well sort of after coming off a maiden win and um, she's a filly with a future and she'll stay a trip. She's probably not ready for the Oaks there, but she might go to the 2,500 metre um, race two weeks after our Oaks, which would be ideal. Mm. Symphonette ran second, went really well. Yep, going well. She's a fresh mare, runs well, and she's got a good win in her soon. And what about Sizzlefly, who ran third in a good class race, the Redelva Stakes? You'd have to be pleased with that. Yeah, very happy with that. She goes, she tries very hard. She's a sprinting filly that's got black type now, so that's a bonus. And, you know, wherever she goes next, she'll be competitive. Mm. And Salika did a very good job to run second in a group three in a silly race. That leader got out 10 or 12 in front. You had to do a lot of donkey work. We did fantastic run, very proud of her efforts. And um, she goes on to the Oaks now in two weeks' time and really looking forward to that. Mr Quickie has been good for you ever since you took over from Darren Weir early in 2019. He won four of his first six for your stable and a couple of placings to boot, including the Queensland Derby. That was a nice one to win. Yeah, it was a big thrill. He's been the flagship um, horse of the stable. Um, and the way the Queensland Derby won, he won it, you know, we just flew him up there a couple of days before. He did all his work here at Pakenham and um, that was a big thrill for the stable and connections and everyone involved. He ran in a couple of hot races recently, didn't he? The All-Stars Mile. He was out of a place but only three and a half lengths from the winner and 10th in the Doncaster beaten only three and a bit. Yeah, he's going to win a big race like that one day, I think. He's just um, he's a back marker and um, he just needs luck and things to pan out on the day and he's just been a bit luckless his preps, so um, he'll, he'll, he'll bounce back soon. You had a good look around the training precincts in Victoria before you made up your mind that you'd go to Pakenham. What took your eye about that training complex? Um, well, I did a. First, I spoke to Peter Moody about it, and he's actually moving here too, so mm. he, he recommended I have a look at it. And um, I wanted to um, own our own premises, like I didn't want to be paying rent, so um, mm. I bought a block here. Oh, this was about four years ago now, and um, then we developed it you know, two years ago. And you like things on the quiet side, don't you? You're not a city dweller. No, not at all. I like it out here. It's quiet. Um, you know, and, they, and the club's good. You know, they put it, they've just fin- about finished the new swimming pool and there's plans to put in an uphill gallop and, you know, it's mm. the future. It's, it's really good. I'm interested in that one, the uphill gallop. Uh, how far off is that? I, they've got they've got the funding for it and I'm hope they're hoping to start soon and it should be complete within the next 18 months. Um, 
they're still just trying to work out what surface and a few different things, but it'll be very good. What form will it take, though, Phil? Will it be a straight gallop or will it go round a bend? I think it's going to be built around the back of the track. It'll be a slight bend with an uphill rise. Um, mm. Yeah. How many boxes? Uh, we've got 50 here at Pakenham. Mm. And what other facilities do you have at your disposal? We're very lucky we've got our farm, which is actually five minutes from the track, and we've got um, paddocks to freshen them up in, and um, we're just putting in a walking machine and a treadmill, and um, mm. we've also got the treadmills at the stables at Pakenham, and um, no, it's just a, they've all got big yards, and it's just very quiet, you know, country atmosphere, which the horses really like. State of the art. Yes. <laughs> now, when the time came for you and your wife, Ayumi, to find somewhere to live, you struck the jackpot. You found a lovely little place of 16 acres, five minutes from the stables. How good is that? Oh, we were very lucky. Um, it's hard to find them sort of properties around here. And when it came up, we sold our house in Adelaide and um, pretty much stepped straight into the farm and we've really enjoyed it. Mm. Now, what do you do with the place? You spell some? Yeah, we spell horses here. We freshen them up. We have um, horses that have raced. We bring them up here after the race and they get their head down on the grass for three or four days and they really enjoy it. Mm. I saw a nice little video presentation of the Pakenham Training Complex the other day. It was shot early morning and it included footage of some of your team heading to the track. It could have been a training session at Newmarket in England, Phil. You went five or six horses all together and unless I was mistaken, P. Stokes was riding one of them. Yeah, that'll be right. I still ride um, quite a bit of work and um, we, we've taken out in lots of fives and sixes, which works well for us and I'll get to go, have a good look at them. And um, then on Tuesdays we have the jockeys come in and I'll probably sit on the ground and we watch them gallop and um, mm. yeah, it's really nice. We've got some really good training surfaces here. You enjoy jumping on board? Yeah, I still, still enjoy it. I'm, I'm lucky enough, I'm fit enough and um, I, I do enjoy it. Well, you had a unique upbringing. Your dad, Ron, worked on big cattle stations at the top end of South Australia near a little place called Marie, a tiny town right near the junction of the Birdsville and Oodnadatta tracks. You had two brothers, I think, Phil, so loneliness wasn't an issue. No, that's right. We um, had a very good upbringing um, up there. We did our schooling on School of the Air, which is on the radio, sort of correspondence, and... Um, mm. I used to go out in cattle camps and, um, you know, there was no TV or anything, so um, you had to sort of make up your own fun, but it was it was a good good way to grow up. You'd have been on horseback from a very early age? Yeah, from when we could walk, walk pretty much. And, um, you know, I used to go out in the stock camps with Dad and we used to, um, yeah, it was a completely different lifestyle to what most people would be used to, but it was, it was good. And did you no harm? No, not at all. <laughs> I believe your dad, Ron, dabbled with a racehorse or two. Yeah, he's had a few horses over the time and he breaks in horses and does a bit of pre-training for us and um, no, he, he still enjoys it. When you finally decided to become an apprentice jockey, you were very fortunate to be signed up in Adelaide by John Hall, who'd been stable foreman to Bart Cummings early in the maestro's career uh, that must have been a very exciting experience when you walked into John Hall's place. Yeah, well, I, I remember catching the state liner bus down there from um, from the station and, 
you know, I thought Adelaide was the biggest city in the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but I, I, I did get a bit homesick for a while there, but, you know, I eventually got going and no, it, it was good, but, you know, weight was always a problem for me. Can you recall your first winning ride? I can indeed. It was for a bloke called Peter Jolly. That yep. would be uh, Richard and David's dad at a yep. place called Berry. Goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you remember every step of the race. Uh, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I do remember it. Yes, but weight was going to be a problem, Phil, right from the outset. Yeah, it was. So um, I ended up going up to Alice Springs and became an apprentice to Viv Oldfield. Uh, I spent two years there. It was really, really good time in my life. We had a lot of success on those tracks up there in Darwin, mm. Mount Isa. Um. And he was a, he's a really good horseman, Viv, and he taught me a lot too. Mm. Well, he must be a remarkable character. He he was a trainer, as we know. He owns and still owns, I believe, a big transport company in the Northern Territory. He owns or part owns massive cattle stations in the top end, and there are very few people in the Territory who haven't heard of Viv Oldfield. No, he's done very well, Viv. Um, he comes from very humble beginnings and he's um – Done, he's got, a, as you said, a lot of cattle stations, drilling rigs, and um, he's a very smart businessman. Do you have any contact nowadays? Yeah, I do. We've still got races horses with us here in Melbourne and in Adelaide, and um, mm. oh, we've been lifelong friends from when I was an apprentice to him. Mm. Well, you rode in races at Alice Springs. You went as far up as Darwin. Did you ever get to Catherine? It's a good racing town. I rode in Catherine. I rode in the Catherine Cup. I rode at Tennant Creek. I rode at all those tracks, <laughs> Adelaide mm. River. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. good fun. What did you do between Alice Springs and your first trip overseas? How did you fill in time? I, I went back to Gawler for a little while and helped Dad out, and we just did some breaking in and raced a few horses, and then I decided I wanted to go somewhere different. I was only young, and I thought Japan would be a good place to have a look at. Mm. So you started there, Japan? Yeah, well, before that I actually went to France and I worked for um, John John Hammond at Shanti. Oh, right. That was your first overseas stint in yep. that magnificent training complex at Shanti. It's a sight to behold. Did you ride work on those sand tracks uh, in between those beautiful trees? I did. It was um, amazing. Um just horse heaven. Um, I was lucky when I was there. I got to see some, seen some really good horses. And um, he was at the time training for um, oh, a big owner, just can't, the Willensteins. Mm. Um, and they had a beautiful, beautiful yard, and it, it was really good. Mm. He's been very successful, Hammond, hasn't he? He has, yes. He's retired now, but um, he's was a, been a great trainer, and he trained the great. I think he trained Monjur. Mm. Yes, he did. And I remember an Australian horse that went to him for a while that you'd well remember, nothing like a Dane. That's right, I remember that horse, yes. It was a very good horse. Now, Taiki Farm in Japan, how do we describe that place, Phil? Is it a breeding and training operation? Uh, Taiki Farm, yeah, all of the above. Um, They had a farm in Japan up at Taiki Farm, which is the North Island of Hokkaido, Mm -hmm. and they had a... Another breeding farm in America called Big Sink Farm, which is next to the famous Three Chimneys. Mm-hmm. And then they also had a yard in Ireland. So they originally bought out Firestone mm-hmm. from America, and that's how they started. And they had some very good mares, and um, yeah, they were very successful. Was the language barrier a problem to a young Aussie? 
It was, but I I got lessons. I studied it hard, and I'm good at memorising things. So mm. I used to write down different words I wanted to learn for the day and just memorise them. And mm. by the end of it, I you, I don't think you're ever going to be fluent in Japanese, but I, no. I could get by. Could quite, you quite well. could you still conduct a conversation in Japanese? Yeah, I could. <laughs> I'll give you a try over a beer one day. Sounds good. Well, a vivacious young lady caught your eye at Taiki Farm. Her name is Ayumi. She's now your yeah. wife and the mother of your two boys, Tom and Karen. What was her role when you first met? Um, well, Ayumi just came came to Taiki just on work experience and um, her parents had a breeding farm in Hokkaido and um, anyway, we ended up, one thing led to another and we ended up getting together and here we are. Oh, my God, I don't know how many years now, over 30. <laughs> Goodness me, yeah. Yeah. There was one other overseas adventure in the offing, and that was a stint at Belmont in New York with the Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott, who won everything of note in American racing, but he's probably best remembered as the trainer of the legendary Cigar, who won 16 straight races at one stage. Could you get a chat with him while you were working there? Yeah, I did. He was an amazing man. Um, his his eye for detail was great. You know, he used to walk around the barns looking at every horse. And um, mm. that was another really good learning experience, you know, especially about leg work and um, different style of training on the dirt training tracks to what we have here. But um, it was just a really good. And we went to, went to also to Kentucky and spent some time there at our farm, at Big Sink Farm, and um, got to see a bit of American racing. And, yeah, it was, it was good. Were there any aspects of Mott's uh, training technique that rubbed off on you that you may still use to this day? Yeah, well, they seem to do a lot of short, sharp, but they run them up fast, and um, we do that with a few, a lot of our horses, and it seems to work well and seems to keep the turn of foot in their legs. Well, while you were in Japan, you went back to Taiki Farm, you decided to invest in a property in Adelaide, a, a training establishment which I think you've added to subsequently, um, but no owners, Phil, in those early days. Pretty scary stuff. <laughs> it was. Uh, we bought our stables and um, in the year 2000, we had, well, Tommy was born in Japan and was doing his preschool there and we thought we wanted him to be educated in Australia. So we came home and um, I was, early days I had to ride work for uh, Joe Hall and I did dentistry and just did breaking in horses and whatever we had to do to survive and um, just gradually, gradually, you know, got some clients and went from there. Mm, you bought a few second-hand horses for yourself too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Well, we had no owners, so we had to buy them and luckily enough they won races and, you know, we were able to keep going and um, we kept putting the money back into the business and improving the stables and, um, yeah, just it was hard work but, you know, we, we sort of um, – we got there and you still got to work hard, you know. Are you still in the same place at Morfordville? Yeah, we've still got the same stables there. They've been there. And, um, yeah, well, my son lives in the house now and, um, mm. yeah, it's been a really good little training centre. The horse to get you on your way was Squilani. You've never forgotten him. He won 12. He won a Group 3. He won five listed and he ran two placings in the Goodwood Handicap. I think he ran in about four Goodwoods. Yeah, he did. He was a fantastic horse, um, sprinting horse. Um, 
yeah, I think he was my first runner at Flemington and he won a stakes race. I thought, oh, how, how good is this? Mm. Um, yeah, he, he really helped us a lot. He was just a bit unlucky in a couple of those group ones, but um, he sort of was one of our first good horses and I learned a lot, you know, training him. Where did he come from? He was by probably an unfashionable sire at the time called Shagney. Yeah, he was bred by a friend of mine, Daryl Ibel, and um, he wanted to sell him, but he stayed in him for a leg, and that's how we got him. Did you travel a lot back then, Phil, getting the right races for your horses? How far afield would you have been racing? Oh, we used to always bring them to Melbourne, and um, uh, early days it was quite hard because I didn't have many contacts over here, but later on, obviously, I got to be good friends with Peter Moody, and we sort of built up a relationship of sending horses between each stable. Um, we did that for, for the last 15 years, and that made things a lot easier. We'll just pause for a moment on the podcast to clear a commitment. Back with Philip Stokes very shortly. Some of Australia's best race mares, many of them in fold at Champion Stallions, will be offered at this year's English Chairman Sale, which will be conducted with online and telephone bidding on Friday, May the 8th. 55 fillies and mares form the main catalogue, headlined by multiple Group 1 winner in her time, Group 1 Oakley Plate winner Booker, who will be sold unreserved, Group 1 winner and four-time Group 1 place getter Unforgotten, clean up the dam of Doncaster winner Natoya, Infold the Autumn Sun, Group 1 winner Young Star, a daughter of internationally respected stallion High Chaparral. Among the latest wildcard entries is the outstanding race filly Fundamentalist, a daughter of Not a Single Doubt, and Infold to Zoo Star. This filly was Group 1 placed five times. The Chairman's Sale will begin at 3pm on Friday, May 8, online at inglis.com.au with a live broadcast hosted by Caroline Searcy. For those looking for the right mare to create a commercial family that will breed on for generations, this is the sale for you. The English Chairman's Sale, Friday, May 8, online. The first Group 1 win was a massive thrill. It was the 2006 Australasian Oaks with a filly called Marju Snip, this filly won five straight as an early three-year-old. She then ran third in the Adelaide Guineas. You freshened her, you gave her a quiet little barrier trial and then you won the group one. That was a good little trick. Yeah, that was um, fantastic, just the way we'd done it, you know. I think she was six weeks between runs and I, there wasn't a lot of her, so we trained her a bit differently and we got the job done and Stevie Arnold gave her a great ride on the day and um, it was a big thrill. Steve Arnold, you've mentioned a name there. He was a guest on this podcast eight or nine months back. One of the tallest and one of the heaviest jockeys of his generation, also one of the most talented. Can you imagine what that bloke would have done had he been smaller? Well, I knew I knew him when, he, when I was in Alice Springs um, and he was only a kid then and he was getting around on his motorbike and mm. riding it out like a horse and you always knew he was going to be a great jockey. Marju Snip only had 13 starts, Phil. She won six of them. Did she go amiss? She did. She went out for a spell and um, we think it was a snake bite and they found her dead in the paddock, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very sad. Seven years later, you snared another Australasian Oaks, this time with Maybe Discreet, a daughter of the great stallion Shamadal, who died only this week. She won the Group 2 Edward Manifold at Flemington six months earlier and I guess that's when you started to think about an Oaks. Yeah, we did. That was a big thrill also, like especially for David Peacock, who's been a you know supporter of our stable for a long time. And um, to get that group one for him, I 
was really special. And um, yeah, she, she's I'm now training, you know, progeny of hers, and you know, she's a, she's a really really was a really nice mare. She won that Australasian Oaks very easily with Dom Tourneur in the saddle, a jockey with whom you've had a lot of success. Yeah, Dom Dom was riding really well at the time, and we had a lot of success with him. And yeah, he was he was good. You know, she only had half a dozen more starts after her Oaks win, uh, which included a listed, the city of Adelaide, but she retired with earnings of $605,000. You'd like a few more in the place? Oh, yeah, that's, they're hard to find. And um, no, she, she, she was good and she's going to be a good mayor for him too. Now, a special tribute to one of your favourites, Huckleback. He was a bay or brown gelding by Elvstrom. He was out of an O'Reilly mare. He was raced by C.K. Lee from Hong Kong, who's been a great supporter of your stable. Yeah, um, Thomas has been probably my longest owner, um, been a fantastic supporter. Um, I speak to him regularly. He obviously lives in Hong Kong and Macau. He's um, the CEO of Macau Jockey Club and um, – yeah, it was very special to get the group one for him on that day. It was amazing. And then he happened to win the last race also, and he was on, in the car park on his way home, and I had to remind him to come back come back to watch it. Mm, that was Eclair Big Bang. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Let's look at Huckleback's career, Phil. He won two of his first three, then he had a little freshen. You took him to Melbourne. He won a listed at Caulfield. Then he was second, not beaten very far in the Carbine Club stakes. I think he over-raced that day. Yes, that's right. You gave him a little spell. First up at Morfordville, he won. Back to Melbourne, he won the Group 3 CS Hayes. He ran eighth in the Australian Guineas, only two lengths away. Then a little let up, and then off you go to Brisbane. He ran fourth in the Fred Best, sixth in the Stradbroke, two lengths from the winner, River Lad. You felt at that time, and I think you still hold with this, that he wasn't as good in the clockwise direction. No, that's right. So we didn't. We brought him home and um, got him ready for his big assignment. He had a good blow after Brisbane. He came back then in the best form of his career. He won the Durbridge first up at Morfordville. He won the Group Three, the Yellow Glen at Flemington. He made it a hat trick in the Group One Emirates on the last day of that Melbourne Cup carnival. You had a little niggling doubt about him at the mile. Yeah, I did, but um, it was just on the back up, and um, if he was ever going to get it, he would, and there was happened to be really good speed in that race that day. Um, Dom gave him a great ride, and um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Phil, three winners at Flemington on the final day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival, held hostage, Eclair, Big Bang, and Huckleback. Doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. You know, we had to travel all those horses over. They came over on Thursday night, as they do on the truck, and um, you know, it's not easy to do. And yeah, it was a it was a big thrill. Huckleback met a sad ending. I read somewhere. Yeah, he was retired to Mill Park, where I spell a lot of my horses, and unfortunately, he came to a um, colic and had to be put down about a year later after retiring. So mm. that was sad. But you know, he was a you know we don't we, we remember him very. Remember him a lot. Mm. Mm. He raced only 20 times. He won eight of them, but he collected $1.2 million. Dom Tourneur rode him in all but two of his wins. Yeah, he did. Dom had a great affiliation with the horse, and, yeah, it was really good. What about E. Claire's surprise, another one of Thomas Lee's? Uh, you only had him for six runs. He won four of them. He won the Murray Bridge Cup. 
He won the listed Diamond Jubilee Stakes at Flemington and the Group 3 Eclipse Stakes at Sandown. When he won the Diamond Jubilee, I believe there were a couple of high-profile visitors watching him that day. There were. Um, yeah, it was a great great feel to have um, Prince Charles and Camilla there and Thomas got to meet them and, you know, especially coming from Hong Kong, to, you know, to meet royalty, it was a big thrill for him and it was a great day. Let's see if we can extract a tip or two from you for our punting podcastees. You've got a nice three-year-old there by the name of Ancestry who's won four from five. What do you think of him going forward? Yeah, really nice horse. He's um, raced by Wally Dalzil's group and um, he's come a long way this prep. He got beaten first up at Mornington in a low rating race and um, just kept him to the sprinting distances and um, I think he's going to probably – He's definitely going to get to stakes level at some stage and we'll just keep placing him and he's, he's a really nice horse. You've got a great rapport with uh, Wiley Dalziel and the Dalziel group. Yeah, they're big supporters of our stable. Um, he does a great job um, syndicating horses, which, you know, is, is a hard job and um, he's, he's been very, very, very good for us. Now tell me about this horse, Good Idea. He suddenly emerged as a staying prospect lately. He won over 2,500 metres at Mooney Valley and then he ran second in the Adelaide Cup. That must have pleased you no end. Yeah, he was he was just going, treading water there and doing things wrong. And we were humming and hawing if we're going to run him in the Adelaide Cup or the Stony Creek Cup. And I said, oh, let's send him to Adelaide and see if he can run that 3,200 out. And, geez, he ran the race of his life. And um, he's only coming good now off age, that horse. So um, hmm. it's, you know, great to have, you know, it's obviously races in data and in champs, colours and, like Dardo Ninchim and Dr Alan Jackson, so um, it's, it's, he's, he's a nice horse. Well, the European horses for this year's Melbourne Cup are going to be conspicuous by their absence. I bet it's in the back of your mind for good idea. Yeah, it is. We're we're thinking about. Well, he'll probably run this Saturday. Then we might run him in the Andrew Ramston, which is um, a qualifier for the Melbourne Cup, and that's what we're thinking. I saw Shimino win a good race in Adelaide the other day, the Manor High Classic. He's won eight from 19. He looked good in that win. Yeah, he's going super, the horse. We've just sort of kept him back to sprinting and keep him fresh and happy, and he's, he's racing racing so well. Um, he's owned by another very good client of ours, David Brooks from Birdsville. Um, so he'll be stepping out in another week's to- fortnight's time, and he, he might have been running something like the Goodwood if, he, if his form warrants it. Mm. Nice race to win the Goodwood, and... Uh, there was a time it clashed with the Stradbroke, you know, a few years ago. I can remember people wondered why you'd run the Goodwood Handicap and the Stradbroke in the same day. I was never offended by that. Imagine if uh, you had a really hot Stradbroke field. What a lovely alternative to slip over to Adelaide for the Goodwood. Yeah, exactly. So, um, um, well, there's obviously this year I don't think we'll be going anywhere up no. to Queensland. So, um, no, it's, it's a great race and it's been won by some, you know, really – really good horses. You've got an I Am Invincible gelding in the place in Adelaide who's doing a really good job. You've only had him for three runs. He's won them all. His name is Octane. Will you be slipping him to Melbourne shortly? Yeah, he's back in pre-training. He's a little way off. He went and missed after his last run. Um, but if he's full warrants it, which he's, his wins in Adelaide have been very, very good, um, he'll definitely be coming back here. Mm. Now, Sansom. Looks a handy horse. He's won six from 11, another three-year-old. Yeah, he's been a quite achiever. Um, he's 
he's gone back into pre-training now. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of good friends of mine in him, and he's he's been a really good horse for the stable, and he'll, he'll just keep getting better as a four- or five-year-old. He's just one of those sort of horses and tries every time he goes around. Your son, Tommy, oversees the Morfordville stable, where he has 30 horses in his care. In this age of amazing communication, Phil, you'd have constant contact. Yeah, no, it's great. He's doing very proud of me. He's done a very good job. I actually sent Tommy to Japan, actually, for um, experience, too. He worked for um, Dali over there, and, um, you know, he's you know, helped him grow up a bit more and learn different things, and, um, no, he's doing doing a good job. Mm. I've noticed he's been using the services of a very talented young rider called Kayla Crowther on his horses in recent weeks. Any reason for that? Uh, that's the girlfriend. <laughs> he's keeping sweet. He is. No, she's a, she, she's a talented rider. She, spent, um, she was over here in Melbourne with us for a period and it helped her a lot because she went back there and she's been able to go to the next level now. So um, she's riding well and um, going, it's good. I saw Kayla win on one of yours recently, seemingly discreet. I think it was three straight for that filly, and she might have a future too. Yeah, she's going super, that filly, so um, she'll be aimed for some black type races now, and um, that's what we try and do with these nice fillies. And mm. you got another nice three-year-old filly called Sizzlefly. She's won five from ten. She won very easily recently at Morfordville. Yeah, it was really good, and um, she ran third in the Redelva on Saturday. It was mm. another good run, and she's got black type. And you know, we'll probably give her another chance at another race over there over the carnival. And um, no, she, she's going good. I'd expect a kid who was raised on a cattle station near Marie to know a little bit about hard work. And a couple of your close associates tell me you're an eight day a week bloke. Oh, I try and have Sundays off now. <laughs> Clear ahead. Um, yeah, no. Look, you you got to work hard. That's that's what the game's about, you know. So I'm not not scared to get up early, and you know we we get out there and get with the horses and try and understand them, and yeah, that's what it's all about. Another little observation that I heard about you recently is the fact that you can be brutal when it comes to assessing the potential of a horse in your stable. Uh, I mean, if you feel that uh, the animal in question is not a viable proposition for one of your owners, you tell them so. I imagine you defend the odd owner. Yeah, you probably do, but we just try and be honest and tell them where we think they sit. And um, if they're not up to scratch, you know, it's basically you can only be honest. <laughs> You're still on the right side of 50. Haven't got long to go by the same token. You've got the score on the board, Phil. Congratulations on all you've achieved. Good luck in no, all future endeavours and thank you for joining us on the podcast. No, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Philip Stokes was our special guest on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.